Welcome to Honey Do You, the podcast. So part three of our four-part series, and I've got two of my most amazing, two of the favorites back, my sister Brittany and Melinda Jean, my adventure bay, to break down the third um, agreement of the four agreement series. So if you are following along this one, so I think last time we said that the second agreement took the weight off the shoulders, right? This one takes away a lot of the mind drama off the brain. And so I'm really, really excited to talk about this one because I think it connects with so many real life situations that you'll see it reflected back in behaviors and conversations and the way that you treat people around you. And so it's a really, really good one to get into. And I'm, I'm really excited for this. All right, y'all ready? So as always, I'm going to start with just reading a little blurb about it, and then we'll kind of break it down into parts. All right. Agreement three is don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. That last statement, y'all agree? Just this one agreement, yeah. you can completely transform both head nods yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah so this one when it talks about making assumptions it really breaks down the idea of like assuming you know what people are thinking what people are doing or why they're doing things how folks feel about you and it's really a lot of mental chaos that we put ourselves through but without truth behind it did you think i did i explain it okay what would you add to that yeah Hmm. <laughs> no, that's really what it is. It's anything not concrete. <laughs> Everything from like preconceived notions and interpretal and personal interpretations of everything. Like that's really what an assumption is. So it's going to be unique to the individual, which gives you the power. That's why it's so life transforming, right? It's because that is on you. It's all your interpretation of the world around you. Facts. I think that the most powerful part for me in some ways is the communicating clearly. And it's, and because of the assumptions that you sometimes make, you communicate those assumptions out loud instead of thinking, instead of focusing on what is actually in your face. Mm. And so it kind of goes back to the expectations that we talked about in the last podcast that you have these expectations, but a lot of times, those expectations can come from assumptions that the person that you are dealing with knows what's going on in your head. And unless they have these powerful telepathic powers, that is not, <laughs> that is not the case. And so I think for me, that's what makes it powerful um, because there's so many preconceived notions and assumptions that you make. And so everything that you do is based on what's going on up here instead of what's going on out here. Right. And where do we see that most? I, I think for sure in relationships, not just in partner, but with friendships. And let's, let's dive down on like the partner relationship first, because I feel like that's where most people can connect their idea because it's the easiest to look at. So you're married and your husband says something to you or texts something to you. And automatically that mind drama picks up and assumes he's got an attitude because dot, 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 or he's mad at me because dot, 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 or he didn't pick up. He must be doing this dot, dot, dot. And then we create this scenario based mm -hmm. on nothing. You know what I mean? Do you guys see that come up or have you seen it come up in your own lives or around with, in people around you? 
Oh my gosh. And I mean, like, like I said before, when, when I first got married, you know, we're 22 years in, but when I first got married, there were so many and so many preconceived notions and assumptions about what marriage was going to be like. Um, but I will, I agree with you 100%, especially on text messaging. And, and Mike and I talk about it all the time because he will send a text and I'm like, what is he? Okay. I can hear. Cause you know, when you've been together a long time, you can hear his tongue. You can hear them talking when you're reading the text message. Right. And you're like, Oh, well he must be having a, you know? And so he said to me, he said, I hate texting. And you know why? Because there's zero emotion mm. in the text. There are, z- there are zero emotions. And so you can um, assume what you want rather than taking it for exactly what's written. Uh, and so I absolutely agree, especially in relationships because you you assume that they know exactly what you want and need, but we are we are still required even after twenty years to express exactly what our wants and needs are because you evolve over time. It means your needs and wants change over time, and you can't assume that your spouse or your best friend is going to know or understand what it is that you need. You can't assume that they just can read your mind and are going to know how to how to behave as a result of that. You have to express yourself. And that has to come without assuming that they just, oh, he just knows. No, <laughs> he does not just know. Even after 20 years, I, we still have to communicate openly. So communicating clearly is key to that. So I've got like a couple points on that for sure to piggyback off that and to your point, Brittany. You know, it's when we make those assumptions, it's almost like one way to dodge the responsibility of knowing what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've now made it my partner. He's been with me for over 17 years. He should know what I want. I don't even know what I want, but he should know what I want. Right. That's yeah. definitely like a big thing. And then you have, you know, I entered my marriage with my cup was full of fairy tales and Hollywood endings. Mm. And it was based off a history of like Nightmare on Elm Street. And so I was like, everything's got to be better. Like I already did the hell. This is going to be my heaven. Mm-hmm. And that was so wrong. And even today we had a discussion based off of that. And it kind of tied in the love language, which his is um, physical touch. And it's so annoying to me. Like my foot has to touch in. Like, so, like we're sitting there doing nothing. There's got to be like a hand. I'm like, why? Why are we? Why touch? Like that's his. And so and I knew this. I'm like, I got to speak his language. And mine currently, because you know, it shifts is a uh, words of affirmation. I need to hear, I need to hear how amazing I am, how beautiful I am, how intelligent I am, how what I do contributes to the house. Like I need to really hear it. And I know that I need it in the workplace. I need it around, right? For whatever reason, that's just where I'm at. And his magical power, his whole life has been to use humor to deflect anything. So the humor is going to be at your expense. It's going to be a joke at your expense. And so he said a couple things today. And I I learned this message where it's like, when they say, oh, I'm just joking. You're like, but are you? Mm. (laughs) I was like, but are you joking? And he's like, well, yeah. And I've probably said this now like five times in a single day because I'm like, I don't want to accept that little little joke in my expense. But what I'm getting at is I had to communicate. Maybe I need to bring it to his attention. Like my love language is going to be hearing that I'm amazing. So when you say these jokes at my expense, even though I know you mean no rudeness to them, I'm interpreting that I'm that. And it's coming to me. I'm absorbing it when you throw it my way, whether you need to hit me with it or not. And, uh, and I don't like it. And I feel like my, my scales are out of balance. So, you know, as much as, where do you give on that? Right. Where do you give when you have that awareness 
that this person means this, but you interpret it this way, who's supposed to bend? I think that brings up a really good point, Mandy, about the assumptions that we make about their reasoning. I think Mm -hmm. that's almost a mirror on ourselves. When you Mm -hmm. are creating a reason for that assumption, right? Here's what I believe about his point. I know he's joking, but this is what I'm taking from it. That requires you now to look at yourself and say, why is this the reaction that I have? What Mm -hmm. is the root of that? And what is it based on? And it almost always comes from somewhere where you've maybe felt uncomfortable or you've heard something about yourself or you've taken on some feeling or emotion based on previous experience. Oh, my earring. Do you agree? Do you agree with that, Britt, that it's, it, it requires you to look back on yourself more than anything else? Always, because uh, you, sometimes, and, and I, I've been guilty of this before, but sometimes you hold people accountable for your assumptions. And, and that's not fair. You know, um, you cannot set these expectations and make these assumptions and not realize that ultimately it boils down to you. Um, Because if you take offense to something based off an assumption without communicating what you needed from the go, that's that's a fault of your own. That is that requires you to hold the mirror up and go, oh, hmm. I didn't communicate what I needed and I just assumed he was going to know. And now I'm not getting what it is that I needed, but I never took the time to tell him to begin with. So now this is, it's become a cyclical thing where, and then you're always in the loop of that. Well, he's supposed to know, but he doesn't know. Okay. Well, I expect this. Okay. Well, if you don't voice these needs, then they're not going to be met. And then you're angry, but ultimately it boils down to you not expressing it from the go. (laughs) So I agree with that. And Mandy, you said something to me a while back when we've had a conversation. We've had so many conversations about like relationships. And she told me before, she used the phrase, the story that I'm telling myself. So do you remember saying that? So when you're having those conversations, especially in partnership, and let's say your spouse comes home and what you interpret as a funky mood, right? And in that moment, they're automatically mad at you. Right. And so you, Mandy says, when you reflecting it, it's requiring you to acknowledge your own feelings and it's not putting it back on them. So it's like the story that I'm telling myself is that you're unhappy right now. And the reasoning could be because something I did. Right. And it requires you to really put a voice to the feelings, the emotions that you're feeling. Um, and Mandy will probably explain this a lot better than I can because she's the one who gave me this, the verbiage, but it it really changed the dynamic of the way that I communicated my feelings in those moments. It is. Yeah. That story in your head for sure. Like for example, good old age thing. The story in my head is he leaves the toilet seat up because he doesn't respect that I'm a woman and I have to sit. Right. (laughs) And the story in his head is, why don't I got to touch a seat? You got to poo on, right? (laughs) Who wins the argument? Nobody wins it. That's what the communication is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Who's to assume, you know, the toilet paper roll, though, I think that's been that's been discussed. There's an actual like, mm-hmm. um, what is that called? Your the, the patent has been shared to the public. There is a direction it's supposed to go. It's still useful either way. But the toilet seat debate. Right. And it's like it's it's a funny thing. But, man, I would just start slamming the dishes and he left the seat up again. Right. And I'd make a story in my head and whatever it was or. Um, he didn't compliment me today. That must mean he's attracted to me, right? Mm. Or, or even at work, right? Like to start my boss today and say I did a good job. That must mean that I'm 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 getting right now. I know it, right? Like, but now let's let's do this because I know each of us have unique histories, right? Mm-hmm. I firmly believe 
that people who make assumptions, which are brings great, like you ask your brain a question, it's going to give you an answer. Not the right answer. It's going to give you an answer. Like it's <laughs> right. And so when we assume things, I think that many people who assume might come from a traumatic background, let's just say in a sense <clears throat> where you were in a situations that were unpredictable. So you got to have contingency plans and you got to just think that out because this could happen and that could happen. So assumptions has saved us. And sometimes it can be a really great product. Right. And, and then we, we start incorporating intuition with that. Like I can intuitively predict things and right. Like we are trying to validate this whole thing that really just stems from our own brain. But um, I find that it's hard to separate that. Right. Like I know where my assumptions come from the predictability and, and the statistics of analyzing things. And I can find data that supports why I'm good at assuming in the end, we are our own, um, gosh, we create our own hell and our own self-sabotage by those assumptions, our own. And, and then when you assume it over and over and over, that, that creates that limiting belief. Right. Mandy, I, this is how I know we're always in alignment because look at what I wrote down. Can you, you probably can't see it, but it says intuition versus assumption, because that was one of my first, first thoughts about this was when you are, especially somebody that's walking like a spiritual path or you're learning really to trust yourself and to listen to your intuition, how do you separate that from assumptions? Intuition is telling you something based on, you know, safety and, and, and what you said, past experiences. Assumption, I think, is something different. How would you guys separate the two of it and make both apply? I feel like, and I've said this to you before, your intuition is quiet. It is comforting. It is loving. It is compassionate. Uh, and it's, hey, what if you did this? Hey, why don't you look at this? Hey, try this. It is a breadcrumb that gives you... Um, a little kick of hope, of happiness, of joy. It's like a, a shooting star of joy hitting you in your head, you know, that kind of thing. Um, to me, a, a lot of assumptions for me, and I agree absolutely with what Mandy said, comes from hypervigilance. And, and so I have had to really unpack that hypervigilance of, like you said, contingency plans, um, thinking about consequence upon consequence upon consequence, because the, these are the um, trends that occur in this situation. And so here are all the possible ways that I can combat that. And it's, it really is, it, it ultimately boils down to a fight or flight of your ego trying to protect you. And so my hypervigilance came from that need to self-protect, that need to make sure that I have this wall up and no matter what occurs, I have a plan in place, no matter how it goes successfully or, or otherwise, that I have boom, 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 boom. If it's this consequence, I'm going to do this. If he says it like this, then I know what I'm going to say back. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to um, chaos because you have created all these consequences and nine times out of 10, what you assumed was going to happen is not what happens. What you worry yourself over is not what actually occurs. So you have created this cycle in your mind of negativity based on all these assumptions. And ultimately, the only person you're hurting is yourself, you know? And so that I, I think it's a, a huge, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? A huge sign of work that needs to be done internally it all because to me it all goes back to 
what did I, what do I need to do to fix this? But yeah, I think that uh, it, it takes a little bit of time and also it takes a little bit of being honest with yourself and not holding everybody else accountable, um, especially if you're not clearly communicating what it is that you need to begin with. So that's beautifully, beautifully said and, and kind of compliment that because um, that was so well said that I can't really say it as beautiful as that was, but I agree. And I kind of think like um, you got assumptions or thoughts, they fill in a gap. You're missing information. Your brain's going to answer it. So it's mm. going to be quick. It's going to be snappy and sassy. That's that ego, that self-protecting ego that you're talking about, right? And for sure, the, the in- intuition is going to be felt. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, I think that intuition can be more subconscious, which that's where that self journey comes in play because man, my brain is tricky. My yeah. subconscious is so just um, groomed and has grown to have to be ego is like so infiltrated. It's like marbling on a ribeye, right? It is just in there. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Sorry. Everything goes back to food. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do like the whole thing of thoughts determine feelings, right? So that's where, um, I tricked myself for quite a while, Brittany, where, you know, that intuition, it's supposed to preserve you and speak to your soul. And so my ego was really good. And it's like, oh, we're going to think good assumptions. So I'm like, oh, this must be my intuition. No, it was just my brain playing a trick, but I felt good, you know? (laughs) And so that's so interesting because I watched, I think it was Muji. And I talk about Muji all the time with Lindsay. She knows I love Muji. Mm-hmm. He's good. And and Muji talks about perceiving the perceiver, right? But he also says, don't talk about it. Because when you talk about it, then you are, then it then it's not your subconscious talking. It's your mm-hmm. ego talking. Mm-hmm. And so that fits perfectly in with what you said, you know. Um, and that's, that's really, really powerful. So I think you said it very eloquently, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in science, neuroscience, it supports Mm -hmm. that too, Mm -hmm. Brittany, like what you're saying that neuroscience and like what part of your brain becomes active and you have like your prefrontal cortex, that's going to be your thought, like that's the thinking. And then the subconscious lies elsewhere. And that's your creativity when you're not thinking, this is where AI cannot replace us yet. (laughs) That creation part of it. And, um, and so, you know, drilling back to those assumptions, think of it as AI. That's really what it is in your head. It's just, it's going to give you the answer. It's going to sound good too. And, and it can benefit you. Assumptions can benefit you, but they can limit you as well. And as you guys were talking, I was thinking about like ego and how, when we create our assumptions, we like ego really wants us to be the center of attention all the time. And with every scenario that we create about why people are doing things to us, it really, it's really not, what's the, not selfish, but it's really egocentric when you think about it, to think that everybody's action is deliberately and pointed towards you. And I think that for me makes me be like, oh, wait a minute, not everything's about me, right? It really makes you look back at yourself and say, they, it, they, it, I could have nothing to do with this. Not every movement, action, commentary, situation has to do with me. I am not the center of the universe. You know what I mean? Um. I agree. That's I, I don't know about you guys, but like in the work environment, right, when it comes to assumptions and, and going off of what Lindsay said, for the longest time, I felt like 
like, wow, people are crap talking me and I don't give anyone a reason and blah, blah, blah. But I realize it's, that's the culture that I'm kind of currently in, in some situations is that they only know to make themselves look better by making other people look worse. And I think that that can show up a lot, no matter what your field or your discipline is, right? Instead of raising yourself to that standard, to your potential, it's easier to be that center and that ego driven by like, they look bad because of this. And I had to do this, you know, the, mm. the hero story. And I found myself doing that as well. Like, it's crazy how much that can infiltrate you and you adopt those practices. And then that goes back to the first one, right? Being impeccable mm -hmm. in speech, first agreement. And I'm like, oh, <clears throat> I'm not using language I want to use, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of tie that in, I don't know, does that, in the workplace, how do assumptions show up for you? Oh, man. That's a good so, one. <laughs> oh, um. <laughs> You know, we we work in education. I'm, I'm, you know, you know, Lindsay and I both are teachers, and so there is a lot of that in education um, in general because there's so much happening over the course of a school day. There's so many decisions that you have to make. There, you're dealing with so many people, parents, admin, blah 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 blah. And I think that what I've really tried to do, and I think that's the purpose of where I've been working because the situation that I'm experiencing is so much different than what I have been dealing with before is that I have really had to learn how to detach my feelings from what is happening around me. And Lindsay and I talked about this before, you know, she said, you're in alignment in so many other parts of your life. And as soon as you think you're in alignment, source is like, Oh, you think you're good. Boom. Handle that. Boom. handle that. Right? <laughs> so I have had to really get to a point because I told her, I said, I, Lately, I've been really, really good previously about leaving it on the threshold of my classroom door and not picking it up until I came back to work. But for the last couple of weeks, I've been bringing it home, bringing it home, bringing it home. You know, and my husband said to me one day, he's like, OK, well, quit. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You know, I need a new job. He's like, OK, then what are we talking about? And I just looked at him like, I know you ain't using my words on me right now, but it was so it was so needed. Right. It was so needed because he reminded me because I told him many times before, you have to get to a point where you can operate mentally and emotionally within this atmosphere without allowing those things, without adopting what's happening as a direct reflection of you. You have to detach yourself from that and, and learn how to I like to tell people try to operate above that. So no matter what is happening, I do not have to internalize that I can still be joyful regardless of what's happening around me. And so detachment in the workplace, especially when you're in education is so high charged emotionally. Sometimes yeah. I think that is, that has changed my life in a lot of ways. It's just really committing yourself to, I'm not going to make assumptions based on these people's behavior. I'm not going to make assumptions based off of what is, and especially in education, because, you know, yeah, a kid might come in and not have their pencil or not have their instrument, it's not always just a careless, reckless thing. You don't know what's going on in this child's house, you know? And so you have to learn how to operate above that so you can still do serve in the way that you were meant to serve um, and not allow it to take pieces of you every day when you leave. Right. I so agree with that. And that also ties back to our conversation on intuition versus assumptions, because to your point, Brittany, when you're talking about like a kid, you know, I've heard teachers just poop talk kids that they didn't turn their homework in. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. And I'm like, you don't know what's going on. You have absolutely no idea 
what is happening behind closed doors and operating from a place of grace would do us all some good, recognizing that these are still kids. They're still learning, you know, and the other aspect of, of, of intuition allows you to inherently feel out what the kid is feeling in that moment. And I've said it a thousand times as adults, we forget what it feels like to be a child on a consistent basis, especially as parents, we get up some days and we say, I don't, I've said this a thousand times. You get up and you say, I don't feel like going anywhere today. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like going to, I need a mental health day. I don't want to go to the grocery store. I'm staying home. I'm not doing anything. You get that choice. There are days where you get up and you tell your kids to put their clothes on and get up and go. And you don't remember that you allow yourself that same grace that you're now not giving your children. And so giving them the same, you know, recognizing that, that kids are allowed to have bad days in my classroom has been a world. Like, I feel like my senses are up all of the time looking and seeing, oh, is this kid about this? I see emotion on their face and I'm watching and intuition is telling me, oh, something's coming up. And so I'll say, come outside with me real quick, you know, because again, I'm with middle schoolers and emotion for middle schoolers can be embarrassing. So I just take them to the hallway and sometimes it's just a hug and they'll break down and start crying and it's what's happening, you know, but it's, it's a balance between assumptions, not creating and, and living in a place of assumptions, especially in a classroom or as a parent and not um, and then also utilizing your intuition to be present for these kids that require you. And Mandy, I know you, you also work with kids. She does, she, although she, she is an educator in the scientific world in, in her, <laughs> yeah, she is. In <laughs> but you also are a mom to five. So how do you balance that same assumption versus intuition when it comes to parenting and in your world of education? Um, in a, cause you're, you're hands-on, like you're in the mix and you're dealing with archery with kids. You're doing all kinds of stuff. That, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know I, I fouled it up for quite a few years with the younger ones. I like, especially cause there's 10 years between the youngest and the oldest. I like my first batch, my first experiment <laughs> turned out like this. And with them, I followed the books. I'm like, this is how you parent, you know, being young mama, when you do it all right. And the books did not get it right. Like they just don't get it right. So now with the second batch of kids at home, there's just a whole other way that we approach stuff. It has a curiosity, right? Mm. And I don't, I don't assume I have a curiosity about like, oh, well, what's going on that this assignment's not done? And I let them answer. Did you get carried away with it? Did you, do you not understand the assignment? Is it just not interesting to you? Whereas the original OG school was like, you need to do your responsibilities and these are obligations and prioritize, right? That doesn't do anything. It doesn't, that just teaches shame and blame. So instead I noticed like with my children in my house is have an honest conversation and have that curiosity. And like you said, that grace where it's like, I don't want to do some of my work sometimes either. Like I totally understand. I don't want to pay this bill. I kind of have to, but I don't want to. I'm going to let myself be angry about it for a minute. Um, but then in the workplace, I actually found a huge shift. And um, so one of the things we do is we have a summer camp. And with that, um, we get these intake forms. And I found a lot of parents will not share um, what medicines their children are on, or if they're on the spectrum or neurodivergent, they will not share that with us. And when you're out there in the middle of the middle of the hot heat of summer, and you have a child that is traumatically afraid of bugs, I mean, we'll go the other direction. You kind of need to know this stuff. Um, so what we used to do is very, like we asked the questions in a different way. And we asked everybody. We don't just solicit certain families. Like, ask, hey, what tools can I have to talk with your child? What things are they sensitive over? Like, give me tools. Some parents still don't answer it, but we found like a lot, like changing our questions to be less intrusive and more 
inviting was a big response. The other thing that I'm actually going to change when we go to this next season is I used to create what's called a cheat sheet. So, you know, if you have someone who maybe has a certain trigger or maybe they've got, uh, maybe they do have something that they're, you know, living with and we would share that on this form because basically if you have a child with ADHD, you're probably not going to reprimand them three times as compared to someone who should should know better. And I, I don't like that word should, but you get what I mean. And so we would have this is originally it was a tool for me to like help these counselors who are high school students typically or first year in the college. So we get one week of training if that. So not too many de-escalation techniques you can teach them. Um, and I promise there's a point to this. So anyways, I used to put that on there to give them a heads up. And, and I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, we are stereotyping and we are limiting bias. And like, that before the kids even get in there, they're like, oh, I'm annoyed at this kid. I'm like, no, they just got there. What are we doing? And it's okay. I just realized I'm like, ooh, I set them up to fail. Both teams, the youth and the staff were in my intention was to, um, to, to enlighten them and say, hey, here's those tools we talked about. You really want to use it with this child, or maybe we need to not tell like, to have like a little wider range. I call it like the bowling alley. You want the little, the guards. Put up, so it's okay. Yeah. Those, yeah. Right. But all I did was highlight their assumptions and if anything exacerbated. So what I'm going to do, what I'm doing, I've learned and I'm going to include better training is pretty much what I need to do. And um, it's more so just medical emergencies all we need. Cause the other part of it is it's really hard to keep that form out from the public side. This is their, this is a private medical stuff that we've been entrusted with. And it is hard to keep that form away from people when it's like emergency contact, pickup info, all that. No, we don't need to know. We need to treat all these children with kindness, forgiveness, compassion, whether that they're living with a challenge, it's diagnosed or not diagnosed. It does not matter. Um, and that's what I kind of came to that conclusion. If anything, I was perpetuating these assumptions and mm -hmm. perpetuating that, you know, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, that was, it was a big epiphany of like, a, oh, yeah, you brought cool. up so many good points and I'm going to hone in on one of them, the word yeah. curiosity, like yeah. on point, because the key to not make assumptions is to be curious and to ask questions. And it's almost like the art of asking questions because exactly what you said with, with your kids, I'm curious about it. So let, let's, let's dig into why you chose not to do this assignment rather than you coming up and saying you didn't do this because you were lazy or you felt like TV was more important. Here you are creating a whole scenario and dynamic and putting these things on these kids and creating a personality about them, right? Now you're calling your kid lazy. Now you're telling them that their priorities are messed up and you don't even realize what you're saying to them and how they hold on to these things. So being curious, and this comes in all aspects of life. Um, and I think, I think I do an okay job with it. I think we could all do better about it. I think there have been times where when Mandy and I were in Hawaii and if somebody has a mode that kind of feel, you know, you, you kind of feel our energy and you're like, they kind of feel shifty today. And then you have to, you take the, your due diligence and say, Hey, are we good? Is everything okay? Rather than saying, she got a problem with me. I'm like, I'm gonna check her. You know what I mean? What did I do to her? Leading with curiosity. I love that. Leading with curiosity and trying to, and asking the right questions as opposed to creating your own scenario. So how good are you guys with the curiosity part, not just with children, but when, on all aspects of life, whenever something comes up that, that tickles your, tickles your, <laughs> I, think, I think it's a learning experience to switch your, 
the way that you communicate with people into a, you know, from a, well, she acts like this, so, right? Rather than, you know what, I wonder what's going on with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'll use the workplace again as an example. Um, I have found, you know, that if I experience something that makes me a little salty, you know, I'm automatically like, well, so-and-so, like, what is the deal? And then I thought to myself, finally, and, and it was through a conversation with another coworker last week that I was like, I am not the only person on in this building that has stuff going on. I am not the only person in this building who is trying to be successful at their job. I am not the only person here. You know, I, I really try and lead with compassion and that compassion can then lead me to, to be more curious rather than more, rather than slinging assumptions around as to why these behaviors are occurring. It is okay. I need in, in order to extend this compassion to them, I need to be more compassionate with myself. Then I can extend this compassion to them. And then I can say, Hey, I noticed that this is happening. Um, is there anything that I can do to help? What can I do? And then you find out it may be, Hey, no, I'm good. It's just that. And then you can help this person along. And ultimately every time you help somebody else along, you're helping yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that that has been very eye opening for me. And, and it's so weird when you, you walk the spiritual path and you have all these things. You're like, okay, I need to do this. I need, need to make sure that I am um, not making assumptions. I need to be impeccable with my word no matter what. Um, and then you get into that si- a situation where you're making these and it automatically goes out the window. All of the tools that you know you're supposed to be applying just fly out of the window. So it literally, I was talking to a coworker and as I'm standing there talking to her and I'm kind of trying to be a comfort um, to her, it dawned on me, you know what, this, it has to be, I have to be more willing to open myself up to accepting what everybody else has going on rather than make the assumptions. And so I was going to ask you guys a question. Do you think that you are more or less compassionate, um, with, with adults are you more likely to forgive them or are you more likely to let it go when it's a child? And does it matter? What, you know? I can answer that. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So (laughs) um, with that, I am over understanding. And what I mean by that is you can be understanding and let someone stay in their space. But what ends up happening is I invite that toxicity in my life. I make it okay. And my boundaries will come down definitely more so with adults than children. I think that boundaries with children should be generous because they're still learning to regulate, you know, that, that electric field we might put up might, might need to be like a little toned down, right? Whereas an adult needs to be zapped, get out. Right. <laughs> but, um, but generally um, my boundaries, I'm still learning about how to set healthy boundaries. And I used to think that it was just how you walk around in the world. This is your bubble and no one comes in and it's like, Oh no, you can, you can have different boundaries with different people to say like, this is where I have to have it be with you individually, because man, can't go gambling in Vegas. Those slot machines will get me. Right. <laughs> but I, I can, I can play poker. <laughs> so it's finding that. Right. But, um, but to that, for me, um, I, I say that I'm very forgiving of both adults and children, almost to a fault, 
But I think that when you have people in your life that maybe would have a diagnosis of having, you know, being narcissistic behaviors or things like that, you're conditioned in such a way. And so I'm trying to reprogram myself from fighting that conditioning and, and, and being at peace with my soul. That if I allow someone back into my life, it's not because I'm conditioned, but it's because I have the fortitude and the strength to balance that. Um, and then it's not going to unhinge me from who I'm trying to be. And, and, and to that point, Lindsay, the thing that you had said, um, the question you had asked too, is the thing that I asked myself is that curiosity for sure. But I'm starting to ask myself every day is how do I want to show up? I literally have that conversation with myself every day. How do I want to show up? And there's going to be days I want to show up like a petty ass bitch. So I'm going to probably be petty. You probably don't want to talk to me that day. Mm-hmm. But she, she's salty. She makes that decision early. Alignment. It's not happening. I'm just going to go to my little hobbit hole and have some food probably. <laughs> but I do, but I do. I'll ask that, you know, like, and there's times where I'm like, oh, I want people to especially work right now. Work is taking too much of my life, but, um, where it's like, I'm given and I want that praise and I don't get that praise back. Like, oh, well, watch me not do it no more. Mm-hmm. I'm only publishing myself. Because mm-hmm. that's not how I want to show up in the world. I don't right. want to half-ass anything. That's not what I do, right? But um, long answer to both, but that's kind of what I've got going on. Yeah. How about you, Lindsay? What's your um, answer to Brittany? Well, I think grace has been like my word of the year is operating from a place of grace. And I will say one thing that Mandy, you and I have in common is military spouses. You, one of the great things about moving around is that you are kind of thrown into places and you become friends with people that you would not necessarily become friends with. So doing that puts us in a place where we're going to meet people that we would not have met before with a lot of backgrounds that we may not have initially assumed would be a friendship of ours. And then it allows you, at least for me, it has allowed me to carry that thinking of, you don't know where everybody starts. Not everybody's going to come with the same background. My religion is not the best, right? There's not one great religion. There's not one great political view. These are all agreements that we've made based on our own past experiences. Not everybody has the same level of education. And taking all of those thoughts and leading with grace has allowed me to say, okay, now I'm in a work environment with a whole lot of different people. And all of these women and men that I work with are going to with their own past experiences and their beliefs based on those. So just allowing like that, just giving yourself that understanding and just saying, hey, we're not all going to think the same. We're not all going to believe the same thing as politics. It does not make myself better or less than anybody around me. And I think that has help me with the aspect of like no assumptions in all aspects of my life, just, just giving that grace and understanding that we start different and we build different and we don't all have the same access to everything and just looking beyond all of the other surface shit. Cause that's really what it is. Like the political beliefs, thought processes, the religion, it is really, does it build on who we are? But beyond that, it's really surface shit. Right. And deep down below it, is this inherently a person that is trying their best to just do good in the world? And if that's what we see, that's what I'm trying my best to respond to. If that hopefully I explained it. I feel like I said a whole lot of nothing, but I feel like (laughs) well, it means that you're you are you are legitimately seeking you are seeking the God in everyone around you. And that's why we're here. You are seeking to see others as God sees you. Yes, and that, that is, is 
That is key. And of course, you know, I usually say source, but I'm, I'm trying, you know, so that everybody knows what I'm talking about. But I, in that, that's why we're here. Our job is to, no matter what, see everyone through source's eyes. And so if you do that and know that everybody has struggles, you know, um, then I think we'll be a lot better off. But Mandy said something that was really powerful. She, she talked about conditioning and I think that sometimes because of what we go through, we become conditioned to assume. Mm. And so I think that once you realize that everything that you do is based off of your own experiences, your lived experiences, rather than going into every situation with a blank slate, with your mind blank, with your mind open to whatever blessings or miracles may transpire rather than automatically assuming the worst, automatically expect miracles, mm. automatically assume miracles. Don't assume the worst. If you're going to assume something, assume the blessings are coming, assume that miracles are going to happen to me today. Um, it, it's, it's almost the same as making those affirmations. You know, I am a magnet of doc, uh, for divine prosperity. If you're saying those things to yourself and going in with a blank slate, then you're, you're kind of combating your own conditioning. You're undoing it by extending that compassion and curiosity to the people around you. And I'm going to take that. You said assume the miracle. So I'm going to expand on that and assume the good from someone. Why don't we assume that these folks do not have negative intentions towards me? I am not that important. I am not that important that every action from someone else is directly on me to make me feel bad about myself. Assume the good. Assume that these folks are just experiencing life in their own ways. And maybe the way that it's, 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 you know, coming out may not be in that, in the positive manner that you would expect or that you want, but just assume the good, that their mm -hmm. intentions are not negative. They're not trying to hurt you. And I think if we walk through life expecting miracles and not assuming negativity from everyone, it will change the dynamic on how you engage with people around you for sure. I agree 100%. Yeah. And I mean, like if you are right, like, so you can't just stop assuming. <laughs> like you can't live a life. It's like, stop judging. No, I am such a judgment. Right? Like it's going to be in there. So like, I love the whole flip the script and neutralize it. That's how you got like, uh, and Lindsay, I kind of talked on this when it comes to affirmations. For me, I just sit there and I try to do the affirmation for me. And I, that's that's a high level. I'm going to get there. I do believe in speaking it to fruition and saying it out loud. But if I were to stand in the mirror, like, I'm a divine goddess. I'm going to be like, bitch, you're not there yet. <laughs> like, that little voice is right there. So I think you're going to be like, I have a human body. Yes, I do. That's neutralized. This body has done this for me. you got to say these, like, neutralized statements. So, like, if I'm assuming the worst, I'm like, man, I'm I know he forgot something important, right? Mm -hmm. Spouse, right? I could be like, oh, he's saving room for dessert. I don't know. I just have to flip the script that is going to benefit me somehow. But even just bringing in awareness and observing like, oh, I just did an assumption. I just filled in a gap because when we want information or we need information, you know, you're going to answer those questions, whether or not, mm -hmm. I think bringing that to awareness and if your friends, um, didn't return a call or a text, you know, mm. we can assume sometimes like Lindsay, you know me, if I, if I haven't <laughs> gotten back to you, it's because it's in my head. It just got rattled down to the bottom. And that's where we give grace to our friends. But mm. if you're having a bad day, you could totally make an assumption. Like I knew I wasn't important to her. I knew that she just see if I was a priority, 
I would be number one, right? Mm. And you can do all those assumptions with their friends. And what ends up happening is there's no communication. And I know you and I, Lindsay, had that really hard conversation. And that's, I think, if anything, it grows our relationship because we keep that transparency and that openness. And man, is it hard. But if you lean into it, 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 it gets to develop something so beautiful. And, right. you know, and I was just sitting here thinking about this too. Like, Brittany, I know you've been on your journey for a bit. How great is it to have Lindsay kind of come under as a mentee and ask these questions and you finally get to share 100% mentee. <laughs> you know, it, I, we were having a conversation and this is like two, three, I don't know, maybe four years ago when, when she first started on her path and we were having a conversation or I was watching a Marco. And after I finished watching it, just, it dawned on me, she's in her awakening. She is, she is on the path. And I'm like, oh, I get to visit. <laughs> and the first thing I responded with was, sis, you're, you're on the path now. This is, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And, and I just feel, I think it's amazing because you get to see, like seeing my sister blossom has been, it's been one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, and, and she's so powerful. And sometimes I don't think she knows how powerful she is. I'm talking like she's not here. <laughs> I got you. But, I'm internalizing. You know, like she's so powerful and she doesn't realize how powerful she is. Um, how, you know, and, and maybe it's a part of being a leader, like the, the need for diplomacy and peace mm-hmm. and how everything that she does is in an effort to spread that diplomacy and peace for everyone. It's like it extends to everybody around her, like these just pockets of sunshine of just be at peace so there was that part of it of just being grateful to be the one one of the people to get to witness it happening and watch her evolve and unfold you know through our conversations but the other thing that made it powerful was it shows me where I am in my own process Hmm. because I didn't know where I was in my own awakening process or how far I I was on my spiritual path uh, until Lindsay reached out and, and, and is kind of telling me what's going on and I'm like oh my gosh, I, I recognize this because I was there, you know? And so it's, it's been really, really, really powerful to watch. Um, and, and powerful also to, to be lucky enough to be a part of. So I, I just love every minute of it because, you know, to make the kind of powerful progress that we have both made, and I'm sure that you have made as well to look back on where it began to where we've gotten to now is night and day and I just I'm so grateful it makes me very very emotional because it means like just watching has been just beautiful to me I I think it like I am 100% like I I have said before like nobody in this world could there I have beautiful friendships like my sisters like Mandy like I have beautiful friendships but sometimes even the closest of my friends still tiptoe around certain things with me my sister does not do that. And so when I say like the only person in this world that can read me for filth is my sis. Like she's, she will say, look, you got your shit. Like you need to get your shit together. And this, that is what I want. I want that same relationship <laughs> for my sisters. Like I remember the first time she read me and this is going to, and I told Mandy this because I, I always repeat what she says. Girls, listen to what she said. So she was telling me, she, she literally called me out for not going to pee. 
when I had pee. Do you remember that? Yes. He literally called me out and was like, I bet you money you working through when you have to pee instead of getting your ass up and going fight. You are not honoring your body. Your body is telling you that you need to do something right now. And you are, you are ignoring that. And that to me was like one of the biggest, it was such a simple thing, but it was like a boom, holy crap moment. Here I am not even listening to what my body is telling me that it needs. I'm ignoring it to do work, something that could sit to the side and wait until later. And that was like, it was one of those moments where it was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, I, I just have to put this in here. Yeah. It goes back to assuming, because Brittany, you might not have thought that was anything big. I'm like, I'm just telling you a fact right now, right? right. <laughs> so Brittany, you tell this to Lindsay, and I'm sure her urinary tract endocrine uh, is you. grateful to you. Her kidneys love you. <laughs> but then she shared it to the sisters, and mm -hmm. I do it now. I'm like, I, oh, I, I'm honoring. I'm honoring because mm -hmm. I not like that. But then you got the science. Like the less you listen to your body, it's, it's gonna a muscle will weaken, and you'll have problems later in life. <laughs> but either way, you know. So that, sometimes I think we might devalue or assume that our impact is lesser than what it really is, and it's not mm -hmm. up to us to judge that. That intuition and that magic comes through you because you are meant to be that speaker at that time. It's supposed mm -hmm. to transform through you. And we never really get to see the, mm -hmm. the, the ripple effect of it, right? We just see the stone in the water. And I think that that's so beautiful. So too, you know, I might assume some stuff like, oh, it's not going to matter. So I won't act on something, right? Which Lindsay knows is big for me because I'm I'm impulsive. And that's actually one of my magical We said products. take away. It is not impulsive. We took the word away. And I think we replaced not. it with something else. We said creative and something else. But it's not impulsivity. My, my <laughs> ability to seize the moment. Yes. Right? <laughs> there we go. That is your magic. Yeah. Yes, it it is. It's 100%. Yes. Do not like there. We all have. We all come to this earthly plane with these contracts that our souls made and these gifts and mm -hmm. that is one of your gifts that is your oh, yeah. fire so you have to embrace the shit out of that and Very make do what it do is she yeah. Leo? she's and a leo uh-huh oh yes honey okay so you came with that fire to make things happen that means you're an innovator a creator yes you are to create so you cannot pocket the gifts that you came bestowed with, you have to act on that. And right. so don't look at it as a flaw just because the people around you aren't on your level. And that's something I was going to say to you guys. I think with extending grace, going back to what Lindsay said before, with extending grace and rather than assuming that somebody has the worst, sometimes you just have to recognize that while you operate on this level of vibration, other people are not there yet. And that's okay. Um, and so I've gotten to the point now, sometimes the same, when somebody says something that I'm just like, oh, you need to get up on my face, right? Instead of putting them in their place, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to extend, uh, grace and compassion to this person because it's clear that we are not on the same vibration. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes the people around you are going to rise to that because they're going to see your light and they're attracted to that light and they want to come up to it. But there are some people who are never going to leave this level and that's okay. And that goes, that's how you extend that grace. It's like, you know what? I don't think that this person is ever going to be able to get through their own demons enough to, or do the shadow work and, and all the self work that's required to understand what I'm talking about or what it is I'm trying to accomplish or live my life. And mm -hmm. so that, that is so, it's such an important 
thing. And and I think that is like really at the basis of assuming is that you just, you automatically assume that everybody is operating on the same level that you do. You're automatically assuming that everybody works as hard as you do. And the fact of the matter is that's not always the case. And that's, that's not, you're not taking anything away from those people. You're just recognizing that, okay, we're not the same and that's okay. And I'm going to hold space for you and do whatever I can to help you because that's what I'm here for. However, I know I need to move on to, you know, and surround myself with people who are on the same vibration as me, because unless we're surrounded by better, we can't be better. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that, that is so true. And the thing is, is it doesn't have to be dramatic or, or discharging or anything like that. It's okay. Well, you know, that's fine. If we're no longer friends, I, because Lindsay, I know I said it to you, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time yeah. with, right? There's like some good data behind that. And I realize who I spend my most time with sometimes I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I need to. Do you feel your go. energy shifting? Like depending on who you're with for an extended period of time, Andy, do you feel like that your Absolutely. energy and your behavior shifts? Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure, Lindsay, you've seen me check out, right? When I yeah. get really busy with stuff and then the things that mean so much to me fall to the wayside because I'm, I'm putting someone else's priorities or um, a mission of something else in front um, because I want to perform. And, mm -hmm. you know, it reminds me of what was that statement we were told like a long time ago is do unto others as you want done unto you. Right. And that gives this false sense, this false assumption that everyone's going to do unto you what they want done. Mm. And, and it's, it's not it's not really that like there's this it's just kind of seated in there. And so I sit there and I do kind things for people. And I realize, oh, man, wait, I love them like family. I'm sitting here showing up for them and making their their job a priority. And and because I don't want them to fail because. I think that they think the same thing for me, but they won't, they would not in a heartbeat. So then you have that honest conversation with yourself. Like, wait, I'm doing things for people who don't got my back either. How do you, that brings up the thought of expectations. Like how do we in navigating assumptions? Cause a lot of the times our assumptions are based on expectations. What we want somebody to do for us or, you know, giving a gift. And we want, like, I remember having a conversation with somebody and they were saying they gave a gift, but they were upset that the person didn't post about it. And it was like, wait a minute, now you're what? giving, now you're giving with the expectation of return. Your giving is no longer just giving, right? You're, you're assuming this is what somebody should, or this should be somebody's reaction. And now your expectation is built on that assumption. So like, how do we navigate both worlds it, in relationships, in work environments, like what Mandy said, in friendships? How do you navigate also assumptions with no expectation? Because not having expectations is really, really hard, especially in relationships. You know? That's the work, right? Yeah. You have to yeah. say what you want and maybe clearly state that like, I'm going to get you a present and it would mean something to me if you get me a present. Now, granted, that's a manual. That's not a boundary. <laughs> Yeah, that's saying you can be my neighbor, but your grass has to look like this. Right, right, <laughs> right. That's the manual. I'm telling you how to be my friend or how to be my coworker. Right. I think it's more so it's all that internal dialogue. So for me, it doesn't necessarily change my action. I'm still going to support my team. I'm still going to do things for people, but I no longer have that thought or that value tied that they're going to do the same for me. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be generous. I'm still going because that's who I am in this world. It's just, I need to understand that when I need help, that may not be there for me. And that, and I have to be okay with that. Right. right? Cause I don't want to change who I am because of that. I still want to show, I still want to be kind. I still want to, you know, just because someone might want to wish harm against me, doesn't mean I have to hurt them first. Right. right. That's changing who I am. Instead, I can say, I wish you well. And, and I'm going to, you know, 
what is it? Some people say, like, when you get so angry at an ex or something, like, I wouldn't pee on you if you were on fire. I hate yeah. that statement. <laughs> Y'all know that statement. I might have had it come my way once or twice. But, uh, and I just think about that. I was like, man, to hate somebody. Like, That's you a heavy really statement. love me. Yeah. That's a big emotion. Like, you really mm-hmm. must have, like, you're really hurt. Right. And, but I think about that and I was like, yeah, I don't think I could ever hate anyone that much. I think if anything, you just wouldn't exist to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I just, just wouldn't have time for you. I think, I think the unknown and the abyss of you not existing is one of the worst things you could probably do. Cause now that person doesn't, I think of um, the, trust me, I swear I go somewhere, but the, the Mexican tradition of like Dia de Muertas, right. And you have, <laughs> Frienda, and you've got everyone in your family, right. and it's when someone forgets your story that you go to some other place. Right. Um. I, it's it's a beautiful movie that I've seen. It's like an animated movie. I know. Uh, I'm sure what is it? We love that movie. I know exactly Coco. what you're talking about. Yeah, Coco. Oh God, I cry like a baby. Yeah, every time. Like, I don't remember all my lineage. I, I don't want anyone to go in the despair of nothingness, right? <laughs> right? But if you think about that, it's kind of like, ooh, that would be. There's no hell. It's the whole. You just cease to exist. Being forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, right, being forgotten, and I just I think about that, and and you know, even if someone, you know, even like in the Hollywood world, um, even if like you're talked bad about, you're still talked about at least, like right. We have all these mm-hmm. things that float around our culture and our society that doesn't really establish healthy relationships. But as far as that assumptions and expectations, I get to realize that I put the expectation on that, and right. and I can't. I that means I get to choose to be upset or I choose not to be upset, and I'm like, well, being upset doesn't serve me. So I just need to either establish my support that I'm going to need right. or I, you know, it's just what it's going to be. But, um, and not tying it to like, you know, I know that we're in a society of not enough and not enough culture. We all perform from like the scarcity loop. Right. You guys um, heard this, right? Yeah. And there is science to that. So the scarcity loop like stems back to like our primitive survival instincts. If, if if you didn't seek enough knowledge or seek enough food or like if you if you felt that you had enough, you're probably going to starve or you're probably going to die. Like this right. is going to happen. So this is like ingrained in our DNA code. Like we have to, we don't have enough. Well, guess what? We have enough food right now. We have information at our fingertips. We right. look online, you know, and like we fill, we fill our cups with this stuff in history that served our ancestors, but it doesn't really have a place now. And we still have all these ties to it. And that goes in with your assumptions. Like, will I have enough money? What's going to happen right. when I'm older? Right. We ask these questions and our brain has answers. And then we make these actions based off that answer to try and protect ourselves from something. And right. that's where I think Louise was kind of trying to say is like, stop assuming. Right. Stop assuming there's going to be a tomorrow. Like, stop assuming all these things. Right. You have to you have your presence. You have now. Stop assuming someone can read your mind. Don't make these assumptions because it's not going to serve you. Right. Absolutely. I was, when you said that, I wrote down, is it assumptions or is it a lack of mindfulness and a lack of presence? Oh, hello alignment. Hello. Hello alignment. (laughs) Because we, the past is over. So it no longer exists. The future hasn't happened. All we have is now. So when we're making our assumptions, are we, are we, projecting um and and how do we ground ourselves in the now and i think that is where the scarcity mindset comes from because you're worried about stuff that's not hadn't even happened yet like and that's not important what's important is right now today in the moment with these people in this atmosphere 
and nothing nothing matters beyond that, right? Until you get to the next day, because you don't know if you're going to make it there. Just like you said, right. you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And so, if you ground yourself in that, and maybe that's that's where all the assumptions come from, is that it's just we're thinking about we're worried about the past, or we're you know projecting onto what could happen in the future, which causes all kinds of problems. So I think focusing in the now will give you enough presence to be fully aware for yourself so that you can right. be fully aware for everybody around you. Right. Because it's so you know, easy and- to kind of create that a movie scene in your head of what somebody is doing and why they're doing it. And you're creating an entire storyline that's not based on anything. It's based on a feeling. And in the original explanation of assumptions, Don, Don Regal, he uses the words, he says, all sadness and drama in life are rooted in assumptions. Mm-hmm. Every bit of sadness and chaos that you create, because we talked about this last episode, you know, you're a creator. We're inherently creators. We create our own universe. You're creating a tornado around yourself with every one of these assumptions. And you're sitting in that. You're sitting in something that doesn't exist. Have you ever had those moments where like, you know, when you're in a relationship and you have a dream that your significant other is cheating and you wake up with that anger in you, look at y'all, see, look, look, look. And you feel it as if it happened. Like you get up like, you mother, mm, I saw you with her. And they're like, wait a minute, are you asleep, girl? Right? And they're now they're apologizing for shit that didn't actually happen. It happened here in your, in your dream, in your mental state, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's how I think of it is holding those emotions, holding those feelings on a soap opera that doesn't even, it's not real. And you're creating so much chaos in your life rather than sitting and existing in the moment that, hey, this person is here with me. I am here in this moment. I am feeling, acknowledging the emotions that I'm feeling. I am feeling, um, I'm feeling ignored. And I'm feeling ignored because my spouse did not come in and speak to me on their way in. I'm feeling ignored because, and having to explain why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. And then that requires you again, like we said at the beginning, to acknowledge your own feelings and emotions and to sit in them for that moment. And I think that's where things become really, really powerful because you can't make excuses anymore. Then you have to, you have to explain yourself to yourself. Well, right? That whole thing, that mm-hmm. whole thing you just said, Lindsay, with the spouse, that's that's a solo conversation. That's what people don't realize. That yeah. is a solo conversation. <laughs> that other person, that's making an assumption. They want to hear the shit you got to say. Right. Probably don't. Like, <laughs> I don't mean that really. God, he, I heard, oh, TikTok, it gets me out of those videos, okay? But like, you get, there's this lady and she was talking about, she's like, you know, my marriage is succeed is because when the wife just lets shit go. Right. She, I didn't expect it did a whole year of not saying shit and at the end of that year i said hey how was everything and he was like yeah we're fucking amazing <laughs> the next year she's like i brought everything to his doorstep and not even three months in he filed for divorce now i'm sure this was like <laughs> i'm sure it was kind of said lightly and and not very serious but i was like man there's really just kind of true there yeah because you gotta pick your battles I, and, and as much as I don't like stereotypes or genderized or anything like that, but women tend to be the nurturers of a relationship. So they're going to be the ones that are really fine tuned in and be mm-hmm. the, like, we're mentally thinking about it. Men are like the providers. Let's go get the bread and the meat and blah, 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 whatever. It's just like robotics. And they go, because we, we can interpret data differently. And, right. and in my household, in my marriage, this is very true. You know, as much as we're 
um, progressive in certain ways, but we still fall back to the patriarchy because it's what we both kind of fucking learn and we each have like our strengths in it. And instead of trying to fight it, because I don't really have a reason to fight it, I'm a good nurturer and I'm okay with that. And and he's really good at just listening to what's coming out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but either way, there are so many times I go to bring something to him and I was like, you know, there's a hole in our boat. I think we need to repair it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm bringing attention and awareness. And you just see him just like, he's just shuts. <laughs> he's like, okay, I've got to tolerate this. All right, let me go get the tools to go fix this. <laughs> Do you think that would be a bad thing if I stopped? He's like, yeah. He's like, one of us has to be able to check in. He's like, you know, both people should know what's in your bank account. You really should. You should know right. what's in your bank account if you do your finances together. But really, only one person needs to do the bills. Like, one right. person needs to pay it. And I'm like, I'm fine paying the bills. I'm fine being an auditor. I'll let us know what's going on. And that's not to say the conversation's not two ways. It's just this is something I'm very fine-tuned to do. But I had to learn that most of the time, that conversation does not mean the other person really wants to have it. Right. So... That's where that self-control, the whole thought model can be in there. You got that circumstance. He walked by me and didn't say hello. My thought is, I just don't mean anything to him. He must have it in a divorce right now. Like, whatever. Whatever dramatic, thematic thing I can come up with is my thought. My feeling is frustration. My action's going to be to ignore him back. And the result's going to be, we didn't talk to each other the rest of the day. Right? right? So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right there. Based off a circumstance and a thought in my own assumption is what that mm -hmm. thought is. Absolutely. You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't help anything, but everything you had said, Lindsay, that's, I think that's where some people might hear this conversation. Like, oh, wow, they must have great, great relationships with people because they have these. No, that's an internal dialogue first. Right. You got to process that shit out. You got to get, you got to pull out what doesn't even belong. And then most of the time at the end of it, I'm like, oh, it's not worth conversing with anyone. Oh, tell me, have you guys done the conversation in the mirror of, I'm going to say this. And then you come up with a script of what they're saying back. And then you know, oh, no, I'm going to say this. And then <laughs> to the point that when I finally go have the conversation, I'm not heated anymore. Cause we already resolved it in my head. <laughs> it's over. We're, we're, we're on makeup. I'm kissing him. I love you. And he's like, wow, this is great. I will say, even though I am not now, I'm not married like you guys are. And I'm just now dipping my toe back into the dating world. And that does come with a lot of, thought processes, especially mm -hmm. as you're getting to know somebody. One thing about marriage and being married, I was married 12 years plus add on extra three or two at the end of that marriage when we tried to do it again. And like you, you feel like, and this is, again, you're making assumptions about who this person is based on experience. And, and that's part of the problem is that we knew each other or we thought we knew each other so well that we didn't allow each other growth, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that we did was based on our previous experience of each other and not who we have grown to be, you know, but now in a new world, it's like, you don't know, you don't know people, you don't know people like, you You know, 15 years worth of data to tell you that who this person is now. It's all, it's like, I don't know. It's scary out there. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, is this, do I take these folks at face value? Cause that's all you can do. All I can do is sit in the moment of every experience and just enjoy the time that somebody is willing to spend with me or the conversation that somebody is willing to spend with me. I can't do anything but that. And that is very difficult because there's no promises at the end of it, but it's just, again, being mindful in all of those moments and just enjoying it for what it is during that time. I don't, I don't know if there's anything else but that, you know? <laughs> so. Well, I love it. I mean, like, if you think about it, though, too, um, it's when we're most comfortable, right? Predictability, mm -hmm. sustainability, we're most comfortable, but you actually don't grow. Well, Lindsay, we've compared this to working out, right? When you work yeah. out, you got to have a little pain in that muscle, and that muscle's not doing shit, right? right. You didn't do anything. Um, 
and you didn't stimulate anything. So there's not going to be any growth. And the same thing I think goes for the emotion. If you're not having a hard conversation with yourself, you're not going to grow. If you're not observing, because you can't analyze, you've got to observe. observe. Analyze mm-hmm. is bullshit. You've got to observe yourself non-judgmentally, like, oh, this is showing up for me. Oh, I obviously think this repeatedly throughout the day. And mm-hmm. and I love that if I do that for myself, I have to do that for those around me. Right? Mm-hmm. I have to look at um like I love meeting new people. Gosh, don't we? Lindsay, you know we have the curse, Brittany. I don't know if you have this, but we have the journal curse where you have five thousand of them because each one is the promise of oh, a yeah. perfect this journal for a different thing. Yeah. I literally we literally have I'm not gonna lie, seven journals because each yes. one is a different reason. <laughs> and you can't get rid of them because you know that's a project you're gonna keep working on. And I think Brittany, you kinda of shared right before this, you just finished a journal and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm like I've got one that I've been working on since right before I'm it was after I laid my mother's ashes at Lanakai and I started a journal and I have not given up. I have like gone in and out of it and there's words in there I'm not happy of and, and I sometimes I read back I'm like, damn, I'm repeating the same shit over and over again through all these <laughs> years. What the hell? How's the same problem showing up? Obviously I didn't do the work, right? right. But I'm almost at the end pages and I'm like this is going to feel so good to complete this chapter, if you will, and then make the next journal. But long story short, though, you know, you have this, you have this promise of a new day, but that is it. Every day that sun rises, that's, that's a a beautiful thing. And if I'm going to ask myself, how do I want to show up? I get to ask my spouse, the person laying right across from me and say, how are you showing up today? Who are you today? Let him be somebody new. He wants to change a hobby. Fan fucking fantastic. What can I do to help you? Right? <laughs> right. Whereas the where we're at in our life is like, oh my God, another hobby. Oh. <laughs> right? But it's great. He wants to do something. Why wouldn't I support that? Why wouldn't I support that if my friend, if my friend is trying a new flavor, right? Let's say like Lindsay's dipping that toe. I really want to push you and be like, jump in, right? right? But you know, you get to go through all that. You get to go through all the excitement and everything. And Lindsay, I'm sure you want to push me in the like the self development pool of all right, Melinda. You like, girl, if you don't meditate, sit your ass down yeah. and meditate. <laughs> I know. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, so you have that, and so when you get to sit on the side and see your friend, and they get to change who they are, that's how you know you have good people around around you. Yeah. They let you be who you want to be. They let you. Um, and, and, and it's not self-destructive, you know, it comes from good places, you know, and I think that's so beautiful about who you choose to have in your space, your chosen family, your chosen connections, you know, and, and just, I just think that's wonderful when you do not limit others by your assumptions. Absolutely. Britt, I'm gonna let you, our professor, I'm gonna let you close us up. What? What, how could, what could we tell folks to walk away? If, if they walk away from it, we had, we had such a good conversation. Grace on expectations, on intuition. I mean, we talked about a lot. How could we sum it up for the, our friends that are listening? Hmm. I think that the number one point I would take away from this um, is that It is okay to build those walls of protection around yourself when it applies in specific situations when you're a child. But I think it's important to learn that a lot of the assumptions come from that old Mm -hmm. way. When you're grown, 
you no longer have to operate like a child. You don't have to take those fight or flight habits with you into your adult life because they no longer, they don't work anymore. Okay. And I, I think the other point is that you need to look at everyone with a blank mind, with no preconceived notions of who they may or may not be, um, with no expectations of who they should be to you. Uh, and I think that you need to treat others how they want to be treated, not how you want mm. to be treated. Cool, yeah. And that will eliminate a lot of assumptions because you're operating from a place of, well, if it was me, but it's not. It's not. So treat them how they want to be treated and 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 hope that the, the grace and the compassion that you extend to them, they are then able to give back to you. And if they don't, that's okay. Then you just hold space. Mm-hmm. What do we used to say? Two snaps and a twist. <laughs> I definitely could not have said it better. Beautifully, beautifully stated. I love you both. You know it. I, if I don't say it every day, I should. I love you both. And as always, remember, you are inherently worthy, regardless of your past, or regardless of any previous experiences. You are not now who you were then. Your worth is inherent, regardless of what you do, where you go, who you're with. We love you, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Another.